This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand and pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection Cap. Remember, you can always visit us at neweracap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. It has been quite a ride as we've taken you through the 50 greatest games in Oakland history. We have reached the final five, and number five was the perfect game thrown by Catfish Hunter in 1968. Number four was winning game number 20 in the streak of 2002. Number three, World Series game five against the Dodgers. The A's in 1974 winning their third consecutive World Series. Number two, the ALCS against the Detroit Tigers, game five in 72, sending the A's to their first ever World Series. And number one, game seven of the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds in 1972 as the A's win their first World Series title here in the East Bay. The final top five of the 50 greatest games in Oakland history. Mr. Finley said, do you have a nickname? I said, no, sir. He said, well, to play baseball, you gotta have one. He says, what do you like to do? I said, hunt and fish. He said, well, when you were six years old, you ran away from home and fishing. About four o'clock that afternoon, your mom and dad been looking for you all day. They found you. You caught two catfish, was bringing in the third. He says, now repeat it to me. So I had to repeat it to everybody that I met that was a friend of Mr. Finley's, but uh, you know, when you say Jim Hunter now, nobody really recognizes that name. When you say Catfish, everybody remembers it. Thank you, Mr. Finley, for the nickname. That story took place in 1964 in Hertford, North Carolina, and recalled later by Catfish Hunter at the podium in Cooperstown in 1987. Following 224 career wins, 161 with the A's, and a perfect 4-0 in the World Series with Oakland. His number 27 is retired and graces the Coliseum with its enduring presence. The Oakland Athletics were neophytes in the American League, bringing the brand west from Kansas City in 1968. And in only their 25th game as a franchise, Jim Catfish Hunter was perfect against the Minnesota Twins. May 8, 1968 is number five on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Hunter had already won 30 games as a Kansas City A before the team came to the East Bay and was the team's opening night starter in Baltimore on the road in 68. On that memorable night in May, Hunter was opposed by right-hander Dave Bosman. Maybe not a well-known name in the stable of Orioles hurlers, but a solid pitcher who would win in double figures four consecutive seasons. Pitching was in the spotlight for both teams, scoreless into the bottom of the seventh inning before Hunter drove in a run with an RBI single to give the A's a 1-0 lead. Meanwhile, Hunter continued his perfect path through the night against the Twins, including two future Hall of Famers, Rod Carew and Harmon Killebrew. The A's added a run in the eighth on a bases loaded walk to Danny Cater, ending the night for Boswell. Hunter was at the plate against Ron Paranowski and closed out the scoring with a two-run single. 
onto the bottom of the ninth and a chance for history facing John Roseboro leading off for Minnesota with Al Helfer and Monty Moore on the call. Roseboro batting for Hernandez. Bruce Look was next for the Twins. Hunter out there trying to reach back and get that something a little extra. He delivers. There's his fastball. That brought Rich Reese off the bench to pinch hit for Paranoski, and Merle Harmon picks up the final moments. Hunter has his sign. He's winding, and here's the pitch. There's a foul ball. Same place. Right back into the stands again. Aglioroni gives the sign. Hunter winding. 2-2 pitch. Curveball. Inside. Ball three. Aglioroni has started the mound. To congratulate Hunter. Big breaking curveball that came in too close. Three balls and two strikes. And wouldn't you know, Halsey, this is exactly the way it would go. Right down to the wire. Twice in the late inning. Hunter has been 3-2 and two with two downs. And has been able to get both batters. Now he's three and two to Reese. Here's the windup. Payoff pitch on the way. Globe of the perfect game, the first in the American League since 1922, Hunter spent a few minutes with Monty and Al talking about the magical night. Jimmy, are you standing by? Yes, sir, Monty, I sure am. Al and I want to say congratulations. You've just given us the greatest thrill we've ever had. How do you feel? It's the best thrill I ever had, too, Monty. I don't know what to say. Jimmy, uh, in the last inning, you had a long, long wait before you went out because the A's were busy getting you some runs that had been hard to get by. Uh, how did you feel waiting there on deck? You had to bat yourself in the night. I just wanted to get up the bat. I just wanted to swing. I thought I could hit the ball, and uh, maybe I'd get it in the hole. Well, tell me something, Jimmy. This is Al. Uh, in the last portion of the ball game, did you figure that you did have plenty to go ahead and pitch that no-hitter, and it was a magnificent shot tonight, believe me? Yes, I feel real good tonight. My fastball was real alive, and uh, my breaking ball wasn't real good, but at times it was real good, and at times it wasn't, but uh, I relied most on my fastball and uh, felt real good. I want you to know something personally, Jim. I've had the privilege of broadcasting 13 Major League no-hitters. Your no-hitter here tonight gave me the biggest thrill I've had in baseball in years and years and years. Thank you, Al. Jim, you had a, a situation or two I'd like to ask you about in the no-hitter. You had a, a ball change come up on a three-ball, two-strike count in the eighth inning. Uh, you had uh, were pitching to somebody, and they changed baseballs on you, threw one away. Did that bother you any at all? No. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like black balls. I like white balls. Except I like slick ones, and uh, I don't like much rosin on it, so uh, it doesn't make any difference to me, so I get the ball. Earlier in the game, you had a three-ball, no-strike count on Tony Oliva and came back and struck him out. Uh, what do you remember about that? Well, one of the pitches was real close, and uh, it was a strike, and then I come back uh, real strong and threw the ball, and uh, he just swung and missed him. Jimmy, uh, you pitched a lot of no-hitters in high school uh, in your amateur career. Do you remember how many? Five. 
is this anything uh, anything like uh, what you expected it might be to pitch your first one in the big league? No, this is greater. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask him about the very first no-hitter he ever pitched, if he uh, might have been remembering that when he was working down here on the mound at the Coliseum tonight. No, I, I don't remember it in high school. At age 22, Catfish was the youngest man to throw a perfect game, still a modern-day Major League record. He struck out 11 batters, one shy of a single-game high in his career. A new franchise in infancy, and what a way to make an entrance. Catfish Hunter's perfect game, May 8, 1968, is number five on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Seven decades of A's baseball, and there hasn't been a bigger home run hit in the history of the team than Scott Hatterberg's blast to beat Kansas City and give the A's their 20th consecutive win. September 4th, 2002, the night Oakland made history, is number four on a top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Once you got 13, 14, you know, people started bringing signs, homemade, and they were, you know, more and more with each win that it took on some real momentum. You knew you were in some special times, and that's when I, I, I felt, not pressure, that we were doing something special. Scott set the stage for what was happening late in the summer of 2002. It began on August 13th versus Toronto and carried past Labor Day. The A's kept the streak alive with Miguel Tejada walk-offs for wins 18 and 19. The first two walk-offs of the streak. Then came Tim Hudson versus Paul Bird and the Royals to break the American League record for consecutive wins set by the White Sox in 1906 and tied by the Yankees in 1947. The A's didn't waste any time with John Mabry batting at the bottom of the first. There's a swing and a line drive past the line in the center field for a base hit. A blur went by the ear of Paul Bird as Durham scores and two batters in. The A's are on the board leading by a score of one to nothing. By the time the inning ended, 10 A's batted, and Ramon Hernandez capped off the huge uprising, putting the 55,000 on hand in a festive mood. The count of two and two, the pitch. Swung on, drive to right center field. That's alley bound, and that will be off the wall. Around from second is long to score. A double by Hernandez. It is six to nothing athletics. It seemed apparent early on this Wednesday night that the party wouldn't end. The A's scored in the second on a Mabry home run and continued their attack on the Royals in the third. Closed out by Eric Chavez with a milestone hit and supposed insurmountable lead. Chavez, a line drive base hit in the right field. One run was scored. Coming around third is Durham. He will score. And Eric Chavez drives in his third of the game. And the A's lead it by a score of 11 to nothing. And that's an even 100 in the RBI column for the A's third baseman. But for a team that lost 100 games in 2002, Kansas City put up a fight against Hudson and started in the top of the fourth inning with D. Brown at the plate. Infield back and a line drive, base hit into right field. Coming around to score is one. And following Ibanez is Randa moving over to third is Maine. And the Royals come up with two on a D. Brown single to right field. His first hit of the season, driving in two. And the A's lead it by a score of 11-2. to 11-2 seems safe. But the Royals wouldn't stop and finished the fourth with five runs. Hudson left with one out remaining in the seventh and gave way to the bullpen. 
It was in the eighth inning with Mike Sweeney facing Jeff Tam that suddenly things got too close for comfort. And the 3-2 delivery. Swing, there's a high fly ball to left. Burns racing back deep into the corner. He's at the wall. He leaps. It's gone. It's a home run for Mike Sweeney. And this is an 11-10 game. This is the specter of a development that has been lurking now ever since the five-run fourth inning by the Royals. And then in the top of the ninth, Luis Alisea, who was part of the Cinco de Mayo debacle two seasons earlier as a Ranger, completed the improbable comeback for Kansas City. Notch is ready. One-two pitch. Alisea puts it in play. A looper to left field. It's in for a base hit. Around third, tearing for the plate. Here comes the tying run. Sliding save. And the ball game is tied at 11-all. Kit Pello with two out. Had nothing to hold up for. Kept coming all the way. Burns charged. Made the pickup and throw as fast as he could. But Pello was in. And the A's have blown an 11-0 lead. That set the scene forever captured on film in the movie Moneyball. What was a rollicking good time on the bench for Scott Hatterberg suddenly turned into a chance to make history against reliever Jason Grimsley. Going up there, hitting a home run was the absolute furthest thing from my mind. I really wanted to just get a ball up because it's so hard not to hit this ball in the dirt or just hit it in the ground. See it up, maybe hit a double, you know, get a guy in scoring position. And man, I got in a good count. He left the ball up and I just elevated it more than <laughs> I was expecting. I don't think I've ever hit a ball in the air that. Uh, that well off of that guy, and shoot, it went out, man. Special times. And then, the moment. Hatterberg has a career home run off Grimsley. He's one for five when they've matched up with each other. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting roles is uh, one for five. 269 average, has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch. Swung on, there's a high drive, hit way back, right center field, that one is gone, and it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost at 11-0 lead, and now they win it. Hatterberg is bobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Crazy. Just plain crazy. How do you explain it? In 103 years of American League Baseball, the Athletics have accomplished what no one has before. They have won 20 consecutive games. To add to the lore of the night and the moment, it was the only home run Hatterberg hit during the streak in a season with 15 overall. An unforgettable juncture that places Scott firmly alongside many of the great moments in Oakland A's history and he keeps this with him every single day. There's things where you just kind of prepare, you go up with the right game plan, and then it's kind of out of your hands. You, just, you, you, hope, it, you hope it works out, and, um, and you hope you come through when, it, when you need to come through, and you want, you want to do it for your teammates, you want to do it for the team, you want to do it for the, the streak. And uh, you know, Like I said, this was the last thing on my mind to, to come through in that situation, but Man, I, it happened. I, I, it's such a blur looking back. I felt like a spaz running around the bases. Uh, but when you come around third base and see all those guys at home, it, it, was, it was as satisfying a moment as I could ever have. Uh, definitely in baseball, but I, uh, you know, wow. Uh, it just brings a smile to my face. September 4th, 2002. The A's win their 20th consecutive game on Scott Hatterberg's home run. And that's number four on a top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games.
Over the years, the A's have held several ceremonies honoring the great teams of the early 70s. And each time, current Oakland manager Bob Melvin has made a point to that year's current club to pay attention. Because that adulation to be remembered is what you play for. And no team gets that more than the 1974 version of Oakland A's baseball. Because on October 17, 1974, the green and gold toppled the Los Angeles Dodgers in Game 5 of the World Series to win their third consecutive championship. Other than the Yankees, the A's are the only franchise to accomplish that goal. And that game is number three in our top 50 countdown of Oakland's greatest games. The A's returned to the Fall Classic by beating the Orioles in the championship series, while the Dodgers beat the Pirates to get back for the first time since 1963. Three of the first four games were low scoring and decided by one run, and game five would be no different. Vida Blue faced off against Don Sutton. Sal Bando opened the scoring in the first with a sacrifice fly, and Ray Fossey started the bottom of the second at the Coliseum and doubled the A's lead. Ray Fossey steps out. On deck is Dick Green, who's been a defensive whiz down at second base for the A's in this series. The strike one pitch from the right-hander sucks. And there's the curve hit deep into left field. Back goes Buckner. The curveball is hit out of here. And it's two to nothing. Fossey gets the home run. The score stayed 2 nothing until the top of the sixth inning. Jimmy Wynn sack fly delivered the Dodgers their first run, and Steve Garvey was next. Garvey made his first All-Star team as a write-in candidate that year and won the game's MVP award and then the league MVP for 1974. Needless to say, he was a tough out. The Dodgers have picked up a run in the sixth. They're trailing two to one. They have Dave Lopes the second, two down. One-two pitch to Garvey. Garvey pounds it in the left field. Lopes rounds third. He's coming in. The score is tied up. And Garvey continues to hit for the Dodgers. They'll give him an RBI. That's his first run batter into the World Series. In 74, Joe Rudy had his best year with the long ball, hitting 22 homers and driving in 99. He led off the seventh against right-hander Mike Marshall who during the regular season appeared in 106 games and threw over 200 innings out of the bullpen. Rudy didn't waste any time, aggressive on the first offering from Marshall. The A's have not scored since the second, and Ray Fossey homered. series happened at the top of the eighth. Raleigh Figures was on the mound. And he's facing a difficult out, Bill Buckner. Buckner lines it in the right center. The Dodgers had the time run on. Ball gets away. And on to second. North played that casually. He's coming on to third to throw. Oh! Well, there's a play with a 
perfect throw, great execution once again by the A's. What a relay throw. Years later, Reggie Jackson put that play and essence of those A's teams into perspective. I really thought that said who we were as a team, how we worked with each other and understood where the other guy was going to be all the time. And so, you know, that, that me backing up Billy and then Greeny being in the right spot for the cutoff, whirling and not even having a look and throwing it to Sal was who the Oakland A's were. We were a great offensive team. We had great pitching. Um, but I think that really gave a definition of who we were at the time. Protecting a 3-2 lead of the night, Raleigh retired Willie Crawford and Ron Say before the A's stepped into history. Since the Yankees in the early 1950s, the Athletics won their third consecutive World Series. Memories of these great moments never fade, beginning with Captain Sal Bando. You know, it's so true that there's so many great players that never got to a World Series that played the game of baseball and to get it, get there three times and win it three times is special and it's something that no one can ever take away from us. Then Game 5's starting pitcher, Vida Blue. When I walk inside the Coliseum, you see the banners, see the retired numbers. Uh, you, you can just have flashbacks. Then I see the guys, you know, the green and gold, man. Those are, those are memories that are etched in your brain forever. And, and, and it's nice to have know that, that I was part of that, that I am a part, I still am a part of that. And the 1974 World Series MVP, Raleigh Fingers. You know, around the clubhouse, we were expecting to win. You know, we uh, we were that good, and uh, we expected to be in the World Series every every single year, the way it was going. I mean, we were winning playoffs, uh, we were winning our divisions, we were winning world championships, and we had great players. I mean, at every position, we were solid. We had solid pitching staff, and uh, it was fun. I mean, it's always fun when you win, and when you win five straight division titles and three world championships, it don't get any better than that. But uh, we knew we were a good team, and. I think if we'd have had Catfish in uh, 75, uh, we might have beat the, beat the Red Sox in the playoffs and got a chance to get the twin four. History culminated on October 17, 1974, the night the Oakland A's won their third consecutive World Series. And that's number three in our list of the top 50 games in Oakland history. In 
It was Coming Together, a collection of young players that matured as one and delivered one of the greatest runs in the history of the sport. After arriving in Oakland from Kansas City, the Athletics posted winning seasons in 68, 69, and 70. In 71, the A's won 101 games and reached the postseason for the first time, but were swept in the playoffs by the Baltimore Orioles. Then came 1972, 93 wins, an American League West pennant, and a date with the Detroit Tigers for another chance to go to the World Series. October 12, 1972, Game 5 of the League Championship Series is number 2 on our all-time list of Oakland's greatest games. The series began in Oakland, and the A's won the first two games, 3-2 in 11, and 5-0 in Game 2, thanks to a complete game shutout from Blue Moon Odom. In Detroit, the veteran Tigers even the series, setting up a dramatic Game 5 with Odom opposed by left-hander Woody Fryman. In the bottom of the first inning, a Bill Freehand groundout opened the scoring and gave Detroit a 1-0 lead. Despite leading the American League in homers and second in runs scored, playoff offense is always tough to come by, and this game was no different. With Dick Green at the plate and Mike Epstein and Reggie Jackson on base at first and third, manager Dick Williams used some trickery that got the A's their first run, but cost them dearly for the remainder of the playoffs. Reggie tore his hamstring on the play and was unavailable for the World Series. However, Oakland always was a pitching and defense team under Williams. And in a close game, Joe Rudy delivered in the field in the bottom of the third with future Hall of Famer Al Kaline in the box in what would be the final playoff game of his career. Here's a pitch to Kaline. There's a drive down the left field line. Joe Rudy on the move. And... It would be a precursor for Rudy at his defense on a bigger stage days later in the World Series. Still tied in one in the fourth inning, Gene Tennis was at the plate for Oakland, and this moment laid the foundation for Tennis as well in the next series. One ball, two strikes. Well, Mike Egan has a very badly swollen foot where he fouled one off his uh, ankle the other day. It really is, and he is having such a big swing right now. The young man is so anxious up there. He's jumping at the ball. I only wish that he could just fight himself for a minute and hit one good somewhere, but he's jumping at every pitch. Trying an open spot. The A's is still without a base hit off Woody Priman. One ball, two strikes. 
intercept. Here's the pitch to Dennis. Line drive in the left field. This may be tough to score on. Here's Hendrick around third. Here's the throw coming on into the plate. He's safe. The ball is dropped. Ball is dropped by Free and Oakland moves into the lead. Two to one on Gene Dennis' first hit of the playoffs. Odom left the game after five innings. In his two starts facing the Tigers, he allowed only one unearned run in 14 innings. Out of the bullpen came Vita Blue. A strike-shortened season combined with a contract dispute for Blue equaled a disappointing regular season following his MVP and Cy Young Award campaign of the previous year. But this was no time to think about that, and Vita knew what his plan would be against Detroit. I didn't know, you know, Dick Reeves said, you're going to be in the bullpen. I'm thinking, okay, I knew John was pitching that fifth, that game in Detroit. I, there's no way in heck I was going to get in the game. All of a sudden, you know, get fired up. And I'm like, what? And there I go. And uh, my motto was as hard as I could, as long as I could. That's what I did. And uh, we ended up winning, beating Detroit. And, of course, we went on to play uh, the Cincinnati Reds, which was a great series. And so he did, especially in the seventh, still with a 2-0 lead. First, he caved Norm Cash, but a Jim Northrop single brought the go-ahead run to the plate. Vida then struck out Tony Taylor, and up next was Aurelio Rodriguez. The name of the game is the pitching. It still is right now. Here's the delivery. Swing it a miss. Back to Rodriguez. One and two. Vida blew at the Rosenberg. Holtzman and Fingers still in motion in the open bullpen. Selback and Hiller for the Detroit Tigers. Got to warm up today to stay warm. Now Epstein yells something to Blue and he backs off the rubber again. Northup, short lead off of first. One ball, two strikes on Aurelio Rodriguez. The crowd is screaming they want a hit. It stayed 2-1 into the bottom of the ninth, and with over 50,000 on hand at Frigid Tiger Stadium, it was Taylor again facing Blue. Tony Taylor moves up to the plate. The count is two balls, two strikes, zero or two down, there's a runner at first base. Vida gets set. He kicks high. He throws. There's a drive in the center field. Back goes George Hendricks. He is Hendricks. The swinging A's have won the American League championship. The Oakland A's are champions. And so in their fifth season in Oakland, the A's who came to town with a young, hungry team from Kansas City became champions of the American League. As for the Athletics franchise, it was their first pennant since 1931. October 12th, 1972, the day the A's beat the Tigers and became champions of the American League, is number two on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. The memories of your first are always vibrant. Girlfriend, car, job, and the list goes on. And for the Oakland Athletics, October baseball in 1972 is crystal clear to this day. And on the 22nd day of that month, the A's accomplished something that had not happened for the franchise since 1930. Game seven of the 1972 World Series 
Beating the Cincinnati Reds is our selection as the top game of the history of the Oakland A's. The previous year, the Oakland A's reached the postseason but were swept away by the Baltimore Orioles. Aside from names like Reggie and Catfish, Sal, Rudy, and Campy, the team found the right voice to lead them, as Vita Blue explains. We felt as though we belonged, and uh, we, we went took that next step by beating Detroit, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. But uh, we knew we were a good team, upcoming team, and of course, Dick Williams was, uh, you know, maybe a missing piece also. He taught us how to play winning baseball, how to advance the runner, how to hit the cutoff, man, how to manufacture runs and, and good pitching and, and know when to give in to a hit and when not to give in to a hit. Just the little subtleties of, of what makes a major league team a good uh, major league team, and, and uh, he brought that to the table. It was the Hares versus Squares World Series, the corporate business-like approach by the Reds versus the colorful, mustached team from the West Coast with white shoes the Oakland A's. The timing seemed perfect for the A's to grab the brass ring, something Captain Sal Bando recognized. What we recognized is we had a bunch of guys that had some talent. We just had to learn how to play together and play to win and do the small things that win games. And uh, over time, you know, they've added a player here, took a player away. We became a nucleus of a team that just were winners. And it wasn't any one guy, it was a group of guys. The A's shocked the Reds early thanks to Gene Tennis' two home runs in game one and took the three games to one lead in the series. A series that featured six games decided by one run. Gene Tennis knew who had the advantage. Well, you know, it wasn't easy as it, it, it may seem because we did have great talent, but still, you know, you're playing other clubs too that are pretty talented also on, the, on this level. But the key thing with us, you know, we had that great bullpen and a great starting pitching. But when we got to the seventh inning and we won a lot of games, you know, three to two, because we didn't score a whole lot of runs. You know, we relied on our pitching, our defense, and, and fundamental execution. And that got us, once we got to the seventh, I, we, we didn't feel nobody could beat us. You know, we felt we had it already won right there, but we still had to go out and play the other three innings. The Reds did pull even in the series to set up game seven at Riverfront. Blue Moon Odom versus Jack Billingham, and neither pitched deep into the game. But one constant the entire series was tennis, and he delivered again in the sixth inning. Tennis went out to talk to him about there's a drive down the left field line. That one is in for a base hit. Campanera scores. Gene Tennis heading for second. The throw. And Tennis is a one-man gang in this World Series with a bat for the Oakland A's. He's now driven in nine of their 15 runs in the World Series. Four home runs as well for Tennis in the series and the easy choice for MVP. But the A's still had to close out the Reds with a one-run lead. Raleigh Fingers, who pitched in six of the seven games, heard all the hype, but felt strongly about what the A's could accomplish. We were expecting to get the snot beat out of us because, you know, all we heard about was the big red machine, Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and Joe Morgan, Concepcion, Tony Perez. I mean, they had a great lineup. They were killing everybody in the National League. And uh, uh, our pitching staff, I think they, uh, they took our pitching staff a little un underrated, maybe, they thought, uh, because... Uh, that's what we won on. We had a great pitching staff uh, in the in 72 with Catfish, Hunter, and Vita, and Kenny Holtzman. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, we had a solid bullpen. In fact, it was even tougher on us because Daryl Knowles, our left-handed closer, broke his, uh, broke his thumb just before the World Series. So I was I was kind of one, the only guy down there in the bullpen that, that series. And, uh, but uh, I think our pitching held them to an average of like two runs a game. 
uh, for seven games, and that's why we ended up winning in seven. It came down to fingers on the mound trying to finish off the big red machine. So the question, I am sure that Williams is saying, can you get him out? With Morgan on deck, this may be fingers' last man to face. Either the ball game is over or Morgan comes up and Vita Blue comes in. But we also remember that Morgan hits left-handers very well. So, even with two out of the last of the ninth, the wheels continue to turn and hold up. This series isn't over yet. Rose steps in. He is two for four today and has made great contact all four times. The other two were driven deep to the center field wall. Five ball, deep left field. Rudy goes back into one. track is there. The World Series is over. And on one pitch, Rose is out. And the underdog, Oakland Athletics, win their first championship since they were in Philadelphia in 1930. Fingers is mobbed. And the Cincinnati Reds fans, a record crowd of better than 56,000, are absolutely stunned by the fact that the underdog A's, without Reggie Jackson, have taken the big red machine of the National League. And they did it in seven games. While it was the first for the Oakland A's, winning the World Series, it was just the beginning for the Green and Gold, as they did the same in 1973 and 74. Nothing like the first time you climb on top of the mountain and become the last team standing. It happened October 22nd, 1972. Game seven of the World Series against the Reds, the day the A's won their first World Series, and that's number one on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.